bitches. Hello. Hello, bitches. You sounded so enthusiastic about that. Um, well, I just, I'm not used to saying bitches. I don't think I'll ever be used to it. Do you find it degrading or derogatory towards women? Is that why? I just don't have the level of sass for it. You'll get there one day. Mm. I mean, that day is clearly not today. No. But maybe one day. We can hope. <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully you don't have to fill in for too, too much longer. Because um, Jessica should be back from maternity leave either this week or next week? Question mark? Soonish. Yeah, I'm not sure. Probably not this week because I'm not going up to see her in the baby. But yeah. perhaps next weekend. That'd be great. That would be awesome. Um, if you're not sure what you're listening to or what you clicked on or what in God's name you stumbled yourself into, you're listening to Hot for Justice Cold Case Stories. I'm Jamie. I'm Zach. He is my temporary host while my... Temporary host, full-time life partner. Maybe not for long. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, if you didn't know, um, we're super married. Uh, <laughs> married so hard. <laughs> <laughs> married as fuck. <laughs> Um, yeah, and he's filling in while Jess is on maternity leave. Uh, she has a beautiful three-week-old baby. She does. Um, there's little cute... Emmy. Nobody... I don't think anyone's called her Little Emmy except for you. Well, she's got to start getting nicknames. Do you, Does she? Yeah, Emerson's long. It's like Zachary. It's like, uh, I can say it, but I mean, I'm going to get tired of saying it. I'm going to call her Em. I'm going to call her Emmy. We'll see about that. I mean, we can let her decide. Oh, God. M Dizzle. I'm Dizzle Mundizzle. <laughs> <laughs> See? I hate myself. <laughs> um, so you should be listening to this on Wednesday yeah. if you're listening to this the day it came out, which is usually not our upload day. But ya bitch was having some real rough allergies this weekend. She sounded super nasally. It was real gross. Nobody yeah. wanted to listen to that. In fact, I still don't sound great. No, you sound good. Oh my god, thanks. Welcome. It's the nicest thing you've said to me all day. <laughs> All right, it's in the bag. I could be mean for the rest of the night now. Excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, so typically you have new episodes every Monday. If you don't know, now you know. Now and your life's different. True. Um, this week, we're going to continue our theme of going over like semi-pretty well-known stories. Yeah, it makes the most sense because it's like I don't want to – I like I like you and Jess taking on the whole like, you know, kind of unknown cases and the ones that need a little more light. I think it's more fun – for you to to do that and I don't want to like accidentally take a case you might have been interested in whatever right and at least like these like you have probably had some sort of like knowledge of oh the Lacey yes well I'm going to spoiler drop this right now wow I'm <laughs> announcing it we are covering the Lacey Peterson um case dear, dear. and uh it's as a young lad growing up in Copperopolis California Gesundheit. you're well yes uh which was about 15-20 minutes away from where Jess grew up uh, this was all that was on the news all the time, nonstop, because it took place in Modesto, which was not even really close to us. It was like the town you go to for like stuff to do, kind of. There was a mall there. It was like 30 minutes from Copperopolis. Yeah. Um. So those of you that don't know, I, mean, I think Jess has talked about it at least a little bit. She grew up in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. And her and Zach went to high school together, so he also grew up in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Process of elimination, we both grew up in the bu- middle of bumfuck nowhere. Yes. Also with our friend Audrey, who also grew up in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. Hey, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so did, uh, you know, Jess's husband. Yes, Wes. Wes. He went to a different high school, so I didn't know him. What a loser. I know. But he- still, middle of bumfuck nowhere. Nonetheless. Nonetheless. Um, yeah, the Lacey Peterson case was pretty big. Um, 
when I was in elementary school. So I think this happened when I was in like second grade. Um, yeah, 2002. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I remember it was like huge fucking news because um, it was the biggest thing that had happened at least like within an hour of us at that time. And I was, like I said, like second grade. So what does that make me like six or seven when this happened? So I was like very young and impressionable. Um, and so like this like really fucking stuck out to me um, as something like a like a big noteworthy case when I was a child. Um, and I think it was our first episode or maybe our second episode of this show where I covered the case of Evelyn Hernandez, which is actually very similar and happened around the same time period. I don't know if you remember me covering that one, babe. Um, I think I remember you bringing it up. I remember that episode. I want to say it was our first episode. Something like that. Fucking flashback Friday over here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was another case of a pregnant woman who turned up missing and then her and her, um, unborn fetus were found later in a body of water. Mm -hmm. And spoiler alert, if you haven't heard of the Lacey Peterson case, that's what happens here. Yeah, it's it's super interesting now that I actually live in the Bay Area. It's like the two places where she was probably dropped off, her body was dropped, and then where she washed up, I know I know, kind of where they are now. Right. So, um, you know, per usual, I am reading off of wikipedia.com. Yes, I actually read through this case. Um, in, in some preparation? Yeah, well, I, I started reading through it, and, like, the who the Wikipedia really breaks it down nicely. It tells it in a really interesting way way so i'm excited yeah this is actually a very well written wikipedia page <laughs> shout out to wikipedia you know it they they are completely free but you can't donate to them um and that's just kind of that's really cool not sponsored not sponsored but heck <laughs> maybe we should be with how much we use them <laughs> if wikipedia would like to sponsor me email a bitch <laughs> hot for justice podcast at gmail.com <laughs> um anyways here we are the case of lacey peterson Lacey Denise Peterson uh, was an American woman who was a subject of a highly publicized murder case after she disappeared while eight months pregnant with her first child. She was reportedly last seen alive on December 24th of 2002. Her husband, Scott Peterson, was later convicted of first-degree murder for her death and second-degree murder for the death of their prenatal son, Connor. Peterson is currently on death row at San Quentin State Prison, which is not that far from us. <laughs> no, it's not. I drive past it a lot with work. Um, when I would drive into the city for work, I would drive by it all the time. Uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. So her early life and marriage. So uh, Lacey Denise Rocha was born May 4th, 1975 to Sharon and Denise Robert... De wow, Jesus Christ, Jamie. To Sharon and Dennis Robert Rocha, mm -hmm. uh, who were high school sweethearts, owned a dairy farm west of Escalon, California, which is also kind of near where you grew up, right? Yeah, Escalon was like... It was like 10, maybe 10, 10, 15 minutes away from Desto, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think they're pretty close. Yeah, they did really good in sports one year and got kind of like semi-famous from it. That could be where I know the name. Probably. Anyways, neither here nor there. Um, Sharon named Lacey after a pretty girl that she had met in high school. First of all, I just have a quick thing to say about that. I have like a short list of names that I will like never name any of our <laughs> potential future children because of bitches and motherfuckers I've met in life. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, uh, it's kind of funny, you go through life, and, like, you realize, like, I want to talk to Jess about this, I don't know if I did, but, like, you realize, like, how many people you actually hate when it comes to naming your child. A thousand fucking percent. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, what about this name? Oh, no, I know this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I know this asshole. <laughs> um, so I just thought that was funny. So Lacey's older brother, Brent, was born in 1971. 
Lacey worked on the farm at a young age and also enjoyed gardening with her mother, an activity which she, she had developed an appreciation for uh, plant life that influenced her later life. Her parents divorced when uh, her and her brother were very young. Sharon and the children moved to Modesto, though the children visited the dairy farm on the weekends. Uh, Sharon eventually uh, remarried to Ron Gransky, who helped raise Lacey and Brent from the time Lacey was two years old. Uh, Dennis also remarried, gaining a stepson, Nathan Hazard, with his second wife, and they had another daughter named Amy Woodward. So, she, Lacey at this point has one full sibling and two, or one full sibling, one half sibling, and a step yes. son, or step brother. Brother. I'm batting a thousand today with reading. It's okay. <clears throat> Uh, Lacey was a cheerleader throughout junior high, junior high and high school. She graduated from Thomas Downey High School and attended uh, uh, Cal Poly State University, where she majored in ornamental horticulture. Uh, while at Cal Poly, she would uh, sometimes visit a friend who worked at a restaurant in Morro Bay called the Pacific Cafe. There, she met her friend's coworker Scott Peterson in mid 1994. Lacey made the first move, sending Scott her phone number, and immediately after meeting him, told her mother that she had met the man that she would get married to. Scott later called Lacey and they began dating, their first date uh, being a, sea, a deep sea diving fishing trip on which Lacey got seasick. As her relation, relationship with Scott drew, grew more serious, he put aside his dreams of being a professional golfer to focus on a business path. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a man. <laughs> hey man, he just, the greens were calling to him, you know? Uh, only for so long. <laughs> um, they dated for two years and then eventually moved in together. While he finished his senior year, Lacey took a job in nearby Prunedale. Uh, prosecutors have stated that around this time, Scott engaged in the first of at least two extramarital affairs, though they have not revealed a name or details of each relationship. After her graduation, the couple married at Sycamore Mineral Springs Resort in San Luis Obispo County's Avila Valley on August 9th of 1997. Peterson graduated with a Bachelor of Science degree in Agricultural Business in June of 1998. Um, after their graduations, the Petersons opened a sports bar in San Luis Obispo called The Shack. Business was initially slow, but eventually improved, especially on weekends. They sold The Shack in the year 2000 when they moved to Lacey's hometown of Modesto to start a family. In October of 2000, they purchased a three-bedroom, two-bath bungalow house for $177,000 on Covena Avenue in an upscale neighborhood near La Loma Park. First of all, it's a fucking steal. Well, I mean, you gotta look at where they're living. I mean, adjacent to bumfuck nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> They're in the most to-do place in bumfuck nowhere. <laughs> it's just, the price is just different. You're not wrong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, this is also 2000, so I mean, inflation. True. That's also true. Um, Lacey soon took a part-time job as a substitute teacher, and Scott got a job at uh, Trade Corp USA, a newly founded subsidiary of a European fertilizer company in which he had earned a salary of about $5,000 a month before taxes. Damn, that was good money, especially, well, not like, great money, but pretty fucking good for 2000 Yeah. <clears throat> good for them. Um, Lacey's loved one, including her mother and younger sister, related that she had worked enthusiastically at being the perfect housewife, enjoying cooking and entertaining, and that she and her family welcomed the news in 2000 that she was pregnant. Her initial due date was February 10th of 2003, but was changed to February 16th uh, during her second trimester. The couple had planned to name their son Connor. Then in November of 2002, when Lacey was seven months uh, pregnant, she was introduced by Scott uh, to, or Scott was introduced by a friend uh, to a Fre Fresno massage therapist named Amber Fry. In later public statements, Fry said that Scott told her he was single, and the two began a romantic relationship. Oh boy! 
last time Scott's parents saw Lacey was during a three-day weekend they spent together in Carmel, California, the week before Christmas in 2002. <clears throat> Apart from her husband, Scott, the last two uh, known people to have spoken to Lady Peterson before she disappeared were her half-sister Amy and her mother Sharon. On December 23, 2002, at 5.45 p.m., Lacey and Scott went to Amy's workplace, Salon, Salon, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, warming up. That's a terrible fucking name. Hmm. No, it's called Salon Salon. Oh, God, I thought you just stuttered. No. <laughs> they called it Salon Salon? <laughs> it's like, what goes well with Salon? I don't know, Salon. <laughs> fucking uh. genius. <laughs> Slap it on the sign, here we go. <laughs> salon Salon, where you get the haircut haircut. <laughs> How about a perm perm? <laughs> Write that down. That's the episode title. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so this is where Amy cut Scott's hair, as she did every month. As they spoke, Amy said Scott offered to pick up a fruit basket that she had ordered for her grandfather as the Christmas gift the next day because he would be playing golf at a uh, nearby course. Scott and his fucking golf, man. Hey, it's his passion. Uh, prosecutors say that Scott also told other people that he'd pl- be playing golf on uh, Christmas Eve day. Later that evening, Sharon spoke with Lacey on the phone around 8.30 at night. Quick time out. Who plays golf on Christmas Eve? A motherfucker. Actually, you know who plays golf on Christmas Eve? Nobody. People who want a fucking alibi when <laughs> they're murdering their wife. <laughs> yeah. Christmas That's Eve who. is like, I don't want to be golfing on Christmas Eve. That sounds awful. I don't want to be doing dick on Christmas Eve except for drinking eggnog and getting drunk as fuck. And oh, spending time with loved ones and opening presents. I mean, usually those go hand in hand. That's true. Anyways. Neither here nor there. <laughs> um, Scott later told the police that he saw his wife last around 9.30 a.m. on Christmas Eve when he left to go fishing at the Berkeley Marina. Are you fishing or going golfing? Fucking pick one, okay? Yeah, and that's a decent drive, too. Fishing at the Berkeley Marina. Dude, that's a decent drive for us. I know. Like, we live, like, what, 25, 30 minutes away from Berkeley? Uh, if, depending on traffic, probably not even, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, so, I mean, I shouldn't say it's a decent drive, but, like, enough that yeah. it's, like, a to-do Like, to on go. Christmas Eve... Christmas Eve is probably some some shitty traffic, especially going that way for us. Yeah. Especially going that way from him. Yeah. Uh, From Modesto, that's probably a good, like, what, almost two hours? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, He said that Lacey was watching a cooking TV show, but was preparing to mop the floor, bake cookies, and walk a family dog to a nearby park. At the time of her disappearance, Lacey was seven and a half months pregnant. The next morning, Karen uh, Servos... A neighbor of the Petersons stated that around 10.30 a.m., she found the Petersons' dog, a golden retriever named Mackenzie, uh, and returned him to the Petersons' backyard. Shortly after 10.45 a.m., another neighbor named Mike Shiavata said he had found Mackenzie wandering the neighborhood with a muddy leash and returned him to the Petersons' yard yet again. Scott said he returned home that afternoon to find it empty. Scott told Sharon Rocha that he had found Mackenzie in the backyard, though she related in her book that he later denies this. Uh... You know, spoiler alert, Lacey's mom later writes a book about the whole situation. Uh, Lacey's 1996 Land Rover Discovery was in the driveway. He showered, washed his clothes, and uh, because he said that he had gotten wet from fishing. <clears throat> According to ABC News, Scott reported Lacey, meeting, Lacey missing from their Modesto home. However, the New York Post reports that when Lacey had not returned home by 5.15 p.m., Peterson had called his mother-in-law, and that a half hour later, Lacey's stepfather, Ron, had called the police. The Modesto B also attributes the first call to police to the stepfather. 
After police arrived at the Peterson home, Lacey's keys, wallet, and sunglasses were found in her purse in a closet at the home um, on the evening of December 24th. The dining room table was meticulously set for a family dinner that was supposed to happen the following night. One detective found a phone book on the kitchen counter, open to a full-page uh, ad for a, def a defense lawyer. Scott was reported to be completely calm during the entire search of the home. Mm -hmm. Modesto Police Detective John Bueller and a Alan Brocini Brocini led the investigators on the case. Uh, they questioned Scott Peterson that evening. Although Scott initially said that he had spent the day golfing, he later told the police that he had gone fishing for sturgeon at the Berkeley Marina. See, again, pick a fucking story, man. I know. Those are like not, it's not like they're close. No, because One, you're said, going to the Berkeley Marina, the other going to a golf course. And the golf course that he was reportedly going to go to, I think either was in Modesto or very close to Modesto. Yeah, and you got to like different attire for each thing, different times. thousand percent. Yeah. Um, 2.15 p.m., he had left a message for La for Lacey stating, Hi, beautiful, it's 2.15, I'm leaving Berkeley. Um, and then he stated that he had went fishing about 90 miles uh, from the couple's home in Modesto. So yeah, 90 miles is yeah. the distance. Um, also, let me just leave a message, the stereotypical alibi message. Yeah, it's 2.15 p.m., yeah. I'm not murdering you right now. Nope, I'm on my way from fishing. 90 miles away. Alibi. Alibi click yeah. <clears throat> um, detectives immediately launched a search but were surprised by Scott Peterson's behavior Bueller told ABC News in 2017 I suspected Scott when I first met him it didn't mean that he did it but I was a little thrown off by his calm cool demeanor and his lack of questions he wasn't we call me back can I have one of your cards what are you guys doing now like I feel like most husbands would be if their wife was fucking missing their pregnant wife well, either way, if I went missing, you'd be pissed. <laughs> yeah, but there's a different level when it's like your pregnant wife at seven months. I suppose. It's just a different level. It's like it adds a different stage to it. But yes, I mean, if you went missing, I'd be freaking out too. But I think it's like a different. It's like two people are missing, kind of. I guess that's true. Uh, Modesto police and firefighters carried out a massive search along Dry Creek the day after Lacey's disappearance. The search came into the search came to include helicopters equipped with searchlights. Police mounted on horseback and bicycles, canine units, and wa water rescue units on rafts. A total of 30 officers were employed in the search, as well as Lacey's loved ones and volunteers who posted flyers to raise awareness of the disappearance. At a press conference, Detective Al Brocini said that police did not believe that Lacey had decided to leave without contacting her family, um, and he commented that's completely out of character for her. The initial search and later vigil were organized by the immediate family and friends of Lacey. In the first two days, up to 900 people were involved in looking for Lacey before community officials or police uh, directly participated in the search, and prior to significant media coverage. Eventually, the story attracted nationwide media interest. Yeah. Um, a $25,000 reward was offered, which was later increased to $250,000, and then finally to $500,000 for any information leading to Lacey's safe return. Posters, blue and yellow ribbons, and flyers were circulated in the original basic version of the LaceyPeterson.com website was launched by the husband of one of her friends. Friends, family, and volunteers set up a command center at a nearby Red Lion Hotel to record developments and circulate information. Over 1,500 volunteers signed up to distribute information and help search for her. April 13th of 2003, a couple walking their dog found the decomposing but well-preserved body of a late-term male fetus in a marshy area of the San Francisco Bay Shore in Richmond's Point Isabel Regional Shoreline Park, just north of Berkeley. The umbilical cord was still attached, appearing to have been torn, not cut, or clamped, as is normal as is a normal practice after birth. 
Although a judge sealed the autopsy reports, an anonymous Associated Press source reveals that uh, 1.5 loops of nylon tape were found around the fetus's neck and a significant cut was on the fetus's body. And, uh, one day later, a passerby found the body of a, rec a recently pregnant woman wearing beige pants and a maternity bra washed up on the eastern rocky shoreline of the bay, one mile away from where the baby's body was found. Oof. Big oof. Yeah. Uh, the corpse was de decomposed to the point of being almost recognizable as a human body. The woman had been de uh, decapa decapitated and her limbs were missing, including uh, most of her legs. On April 18th of 2003, DNA tests verified that the bodies were of Lacey and her unborn son, Connor. Autopsies on both bodies were performed by a forensic pathologist, Dr. Brian Peterson. No relation. Yep. According to the autopsy, Connor's skin was not decomposed at all, although most of the right side of his body was needleated and the placenta and umbilical cord were not found with the body. Lacey's cervix was intact. The exact date and cause of Lacey's death has never been determined. She had two cracked ribs, though Dr. Peterson could not determine if this occurred before or after death. Lacey's upper torso had also been emptied of internal organs, except for her uterus, which had protected the fetus, explaining the lower level of decomposition that he experienced. Mm -hmm. Dr. Peterson determined that the fetus had been expelled from Lacey's decaying body, though he testified that he could not determine whether the fetus had been born alive or dead. There was no food in its stomach, which would have indicated that a live birth had been present. Um, I will also argue that if he was born and she was already dead or dying, that would be it would still have the same yeah like result um an associated press the associated press observed that the doctor's testimony appeared contradictory at times though he stated that no cause of death could be determined for Lacey or connor he also said uh that it was her death that caused connor's death while he was still in the uterus which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me as to why he is unsure of whether or not he was alive or dead at the time the or if he'd been born or not before he died. Yeah. I don't know if that, what I just said just makes sense, but... A little bit. I think it's hard to tell. Put two and two together in yeah. your own heads. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's probably a yeah. difficult thing to tell. Certainly. Um, it was later publicized that Scott had had numerous extramarital affairs, one of which Lacey knew about. The most recent was with the massage therapist named Amber Fry, a single mother from nearby Fresno, which he had actually introduced Lacey and uh, Amber together a few months prior, if you remember at the beginning of the story, mm -hmm. all that. Uh, the affair began after he met a woman, Sean Sibley, on October 24th of 2002, at a trade convention where he represented his company, Trade Corp. He told her that he was single and looking. He joked that he could put horny bastard on his name tag to help him meet women. Though Sibley was attached, uh, she thought that she would be, he would get, <sighs> she thought that he would be a good match for Amber, a friend of hers. Sibley gave Fry's contact information to Scott, and he called her on November 19th and met her the very next day. After a month-long whirlwind romance, she informed police of their relationship shortly after discovering he was a person of interest in the Peterson disappearance on the local news. She also agreed to phone him while police recorded their conversation. She informed police that he had told her on December 9th, two weeks before the disappearance, that he was a widower, and it would be his first Christmas without his wife. Oof. Fucking shady. Yeah, seriously. Scott was arrested on April 18th of 2003 near a La Jolla golf course. Him and his golf, man. Yeah. He claimed to be meeting his father and a brother for a game of golf. 
His naturally dark brown hair had been dyed blonde, and his Mercedes was overstuffed with miscellaneous items, including nearly $15,000 in cash. <laughs> this is my favorite. Exactly 12 Viagra tablets. <laughs> exactly 12. Not 11, not 13, 12. 12. Camping equipment, several changes of clothes, four cell phones. Four. Four. This is 2002. This is 2019. It's weird to have more than one unless it's a work phone. There was also two driver's licenses, his and his brother's. So, homeboy yep. was packing the fuck up to get out. Oh, yeah. That, that's that's the stereotypical, I'm going to be on the run. There's camping gear. He dyed his hair. So, I don't know if it, if it tells about it. Um, his excuse for why his hair was dyed was because he said he went swimming in a pool that had too much chlorine. I don't know if the Wikipedia has that in there, but I specifically remember that. I you might have to fact check that, but I'm pretty sure he said that, that he went swimming in a pool that had too much chlorine and like it messed up his hair, and so he had to like die a blonde. Can you Zach check that while I, I... Will Zach check that? <laughs> Thank you. All this stuff. Scott's father Lee Peterson explained that Scott had used his brother's license the day before to get a San Diego resident discount at the golf course, and that Scott had been living out of his car because of all of the media attention. First of all, nobody fucking does that. It's fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, police and prosecutors, however, saw these as an indication that Peterson had planned to flee to Mexico. I don't know about Mexico, but neither, nonetheless, like, homeboy was trying to get the fuck out. True. Uh, April 21st, 2003, Scott was arraigned in Stanislaus County Superior Court before Judge Nancy Ashley. He was charged with two felony counts of murder with predetermination and special circumstances. He pled not guilty. Judge Al uh, Gurlami of Stanislaus County Superior Court moved his trial to San Mateo County because so many people in Stanislaus had made up their minds about Peterson's guilt. The small town stuff. Not shocking. Yeah. Because Stanislaus is the county that you... Oh, wait, no, just kidding. You were in Calaveras County. I lived in Calaveras County. I might have been born in Stanislaus County, though. That's That's a fucking word. Lodi might be part of that. Uh, You know, I think it is. Because every time I drive to Jess's, I see that sign. Yeah. Uh, It probably is. Anyways, uh, where am I? Oh, his trial began on June 1st of 2004. On November 12th of 2004, Scott Peterson was convicted of first-degree murder for his wife's death and second-degree murder for Connor's death. Judge Alfred A. DeLucci sentenced Scott to death, calling the murder of Lacey cruel, uncaring, heartless, and callous. You look like you had a Zach check ready. No, I can't. I can't find the can't find that where he said is like the reason his hair was dyed i just specifically remember that like again this thing was all over the news non-stop from in uh uh our local news broadcast so i right. remember that being yeah. said that's pro- probably it's probably true I, I mean i don't doubt it scott's kind of a fucking fuckwad so yeah i'm yeah no he he recently just broke silence about the he talked about it i guess to reporters on oh, two, do you have, two do you years have, ago do you have a hot take no. I no mean, I mean, is, is there a... Does he say anything? The only thing that um, it says is that... Um, uh, in a phone call with his sister-in-law, Janie, recorded this past June, Peterson continues to proclaim his innocence. I wasn't the last one to see Lacey that day. There were so many witnesses who saw her walking in the neighborhood after I left. He says the police failed to find my family. Uh, and he just says he was blindsided by the guilty verdict. I mean, it sounds about right. I've heard, I have heard, um, a few like things where, like, some neighbors claim to have saw her walking the dog, 
on Christmas Eve, but like mm-hmm. I think they said that they had like seen her walking the dog. I want to say around like ten or eleven a.m., mm-hmm. which doesn't really add up with the timeline for everything else. Yeah, exactly. Um, or rather, it it makes sense with the timeline, but not with um, not with like his innocence. You know what I mean? Because yeah, um. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say he was at the Berkeley Marina at 2.15 and he was packing up to go. If the neighbor saw her walking the dog at, like, 11, there's that's still enough time for them to get to the Berkeley Marina for him to dump the body. True. Um, anyways. Um, so March of this year, uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom issued a, a moratorium for all 730, yeah, 737 prisoners, prisoners on California's death row including Scott Peterson. The order postpones all executions for the duration of Newsom's uh, tenure as governor. Although California had not executed a prisoner since 2006 due to legal challenges uh, to the state's execution protocol. Newsom's order spares the approximately 25 prisoners on death row who had exhausted their legal appeals and could have their executions move forward once the legal challenge had been resolved. Peterson's family said that they were in favor of Newsom's action, but noted that... Uh, sorry, my dog just lost his shit. Uh, ba 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 Peterson's family said that they were in favor of Newsom's action, but noted that his case was likely to be unaffected by it. The family does not believe that Peterson would exhaust all of his legal challenges by January of 2027, when Newsom would be leaving office, assuming his re-election in 2022. Um, there's a short bit here about the aftermath. The death of Lacey and Connor Peterson had led has led to the passage of the Unborn Victims of Violence Act, also known as the Lacey and Connor Law. On April 1st, 2004, Sharon Rocha and her husband Ron Gransky were in the attendance at, at the White House when President George W. Bush signed the bill into law. The act provides that under federal law, any person who causes death or injury to an unborn child while in the commission of a crime upon a pregnant woman will be charged with a separate offense. On October 25th, 21st of 2005, Stanislaus County, California Superior Superior Court Judge Roner Buchensi ruled that Scott was not entitled to collect on Lacey's $250,000 life insurance policy, having been convicted for her murder. I feel like that's a given. Is that is there no like law to prevent that? <laughs> I guess. Like, oh, I fucking killed you, but I get all your life insurance money. <laughs> right? Yeah. Also, what the fuck's he gonna do with it in prison? Yeah, it's true. But yeah. I have questions. <laughs> well, you know. Um. Anywho. Under California state law, criminals may not profit from insurance policies. Oh. No. Well, then why why did it fucking take a judge to... <laughs> <laughs> I, whatever. <laughs> On December 19th of 2005, the money was given to Rocha as the executor of her estate. The California 5th District Court of Appeals in Fresno later affirmed that the trial's court decision... They later affirmed the trial's court decision on October 31st of 2007. Like, why does it take four and a half years for it to be like concluded like yeah like he doesn't get this fucking money and things take a while you know that super wild uh, bah, 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 bah. that's pretty much it other than uh, her mom wrote a uh, biography and memoir about Lacey's life and death called For Lacey A Mother's Story of Love, Loss, and Justice mm-hmm. um, all proceeds for the book are used to fund the uh, search and rescue fund which she had founded on January of 2006, it was listed number one on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list. Um, so now here's a fun fact. <laughs> so, are you familiar with who Casey Anthony is? 
I'm actually not. Not familiar with oh, that one. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Are you in for a treat? So I'm going to read this article that I found on Oxygen.com. Um, it's pretty short. I'll link it in the show notes. Title is titled, uh, Casey Anthony says she will visit murderer Scott Peterson on death row to help, or to quote, help wrongfully convicted people, quote. This article was written uh, January of this year by Gina Tron oh. for um, Oxygen. The woman infamously acquitted of the murder of her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee, is apparently trying to rebrand herself as a seeker of justice. Oh, Jesus. Casey Anthony reportedly turned down off- uh, turned down offers to start in a reality show and will now be spending her time trying to, quote, help wrongfully convicted people, quote, uh, including imprisoned murderer Scott Peterson. Anthony, 32, was acquitted in 2011 of her daughter Kaylee's murder. The two-year-old skeletal remains were found near her family home in Orlando, Florida, six, six months after she had vanished. It took a month for her to be reported missing, and questions about her death have long lingered. Peterson was convicted of a 2000, in 2004 of murdering his pregnant wife, Lacey, who had vanished in 2002. Months later, the fetus of Scott and Lacey's child was found washed up in the San Francisco Bay. A day, le- day later, her body was found a mile away from the, her son's. She had been de- uh, decapitated and all of her limbs were missing. Peterson was eventually arrested, sporting a new hair color, carrying $15,000 in cash, four cell phones, a gun, a fake driver's license, and a map to his mistress- mistress's workplace. Good God. Now on death row, Peterson has always maintained his innocence. And now, Anthony plans on visiting him, at least according to an interview she did with the Daily Mail. My next project is meeting with Scott Peterson in California this summer, she told the tabloid. The project is an apparent alternative to starring in a reality show called Casey Moving Forward, according to the Daily Mail. (laughs) (laughs) They want to follow your every move. Not happening, she said of the show's producers, meaning, I don't like the parts where I'm not in control of my life. It's not a script. They wanted to add things that I didn't. Well, we'll leave it at that. I guess the life of Casey wasn't good enough, and they wanted to make me more wild to hype up the speculation of me and what everyone has thought about me all along to be true. In addition to meeting up with Peterson, Anthony told the Daily Mail that she would also look into the murder conviction of Derry Rudier, who is currently on death row for the 1996 murder of her five-year-old son, Damon. Although Anthony is apparently trying to rebrand herself as a seeker of justice, her own parents are still seeking justice for Kaylee and feel Casey has the answers. Last year, her father, George Anthony, made an emotional appearance on Dr. Oz and said that he still grapples with his granddaughter's death. I want the answers to why Kaylee is no longer with us, he said why Casey has victimized her family, and why she ultimately victimized Kaylee. He also said, I want to squeeze her until she tells me what the truth is. Hmm. Um, yeah, so Casey Anthony, uh, Reader's Digest Edition, totally fucking killer kid. Like, gotcha. she had, like, made these, like, weird Google searches of, like, like how to kill a child, like, oh, all this, geez. like, weird shit. She was, like, uh, uh, in her backyard and, like, ran inside real quick while the a kid was playing, and... Uh, said that like the kid had drowned, and then like said that like she didn't drown. It was like there's a lot of like weird that is things, weird, and yeah. like the kid goes missing all of a sudden, and then her remains I believe are found in like the back of a car, oh. um, like a mile away from her and her parents' home. Oh jeez. Yeah, it's fucking wild, and like she's like just like, and like she's like being like really elusive, and like won't give the cops any like help. No. Oh. That's weird. Yeah, and like she was like somehow acquitted. It's very, it's very, it's bonkers. That's weird. Um, but yeah, and so then there was like a short rumor of like, oh my god, like what if uh, uh, Casey Anthony and Scott Peterson dated? <laughs> mm. So it's just like a big thing. But gotcha. now, so yeah, now she's a justice seeker and wants to get Scott Peterson off of death row. Oh well. 
weird. Yeah. Anyways, that's the case. Yeah. That's a big case. I'm sure everybody's heard of it, but it's it was fun to do a little deep dive on this. Um, you forget so many things. There was an interview his sister did. I guess it might have been his half-sister. I got it. It's a long interview. Um, did with NBC News. Uh, it might have been with... Hysterically, it might have been Matt Lauer, which uh, I don't think he's with NBC News anymore, because that whole, like, when the Me Too movement happened, I think he was one of the... Oh, really? Accused. Um, I think. Uh, anyways, and in that interview, she talks about how uh, he said that he went swimming and, like, his beard and facial... His hair and facial hair were... Yeah. Uh, chlorinated, or overchlorinated. I don't know the term for it. A lot of chlorine was in the pool, and it caused him to have to dye his hair. Jesus fucking Christ. I know. So. Uh, yeah, Matt Lauer did get fired for sexual misconduct allegations. Yes, I think it was an interview with him. So. That's bananas. Yeah, that's it. That's Alicia Peterson. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything like really like fucking groundbreaking to say about it. I mean, Scott Peterson totally killed his wife oh and his kid. God, it's like so obvious. Yeah, there's a lot of like weird like conspiracy theories. I don't really want to like, like get into it because it's just it honestly kind of just pisses me off. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this week's episode's a little shorter and s- sweeter question mark <laughs> than usual. Well, yeah, it's. I think this allegedly might be the last one before Jess makes her triumphant return. Yeah. If not, then um. We'll find another one. We'll find another little, uh, little fun thing to cover. Yeah. Until next time, audio. Oh, do you have anything fun and fresh to share with the podcast? Anything that you're reading, watching, playing, doing? Oh, that's right. And on the positive note, um, yeah. It's been a couple weeks since we did this. It's hard to remember sometimes. I know. Gosh, it's uh, it's, it's funny because we're we're so far behind on all of our streaming. We're watching The Good Place. Yes, we are currently watching whatever's most recently up to date, up to date on Netflix, which I think is season four. I think so. That's a good place. Really fucking good show if you haven't watched the good place. I love the good place. It's so I think good. it's on NBC if it's on cable. Yeah, I think it's an NBC show. Um, they're Speaking of Matt Lauer. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're getting ready to end it. It might be the last season they're on or something. Yeah, they're, I think, currently filming or about to film season five, which is going to be the end. Because they follow Jamila Jamil on, like, everything. Yeah. She's a bad bitch. I love her. Um yeah, that's been really good. Uh, Mindhunter's really good on yeah. Netflix. Um, We're almost done with the first season. It's a really good show. Um, what else are we watching? I don't think too much. Oh, I finally watched Back to the Future. Uh, that's for right. everyone that's been concerned. <laughs> we have to watch the third one. Yeah, we watched parts one and two. Um, so, excellent film. Yeah, you're catching up on all the oldies. I know, it's about fucking time. <laughs> um, so. Oh, I know something fun and fresh and exciting. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day that it's going live, Wednesday, tomorrow, my other podcast launches. Oh, that's right. You look like you forgot exactly like, anything of my yeah, other podcast. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Surprise! I think actually I think I mentioned it last you week. You did. It's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. But surprise, it's launching tomorrow! Yes. Um, yes, me cool. and friend of the show, Jackson, we have our own little side project about Harry Potter. Give yep. it a listen. I think I, I think I do a guest uh, cameo on one of the episodes. Uh, it's not the one that's going this week. It's going to be the one that goes next week. Peek behind the curtain. Yes. So So give that a... Um, What's it called? It's called Muggle Problems. You can search that anywhere you listen to podcasts and find that little bad boy. Yep. And yeah, I think that's all the fun and fresh things I have. So, so for that, we will see you next week. That's right. Yep. Goodbye. Bye.